Don't you derogate or deride. You're in my world now, not your world. And I got friends on the other side. He's got friends on the other side. That's an echo, gentlemen. Just a little something we have here in Louisiana. A little politics, don't worry. Sit down at my table. Put your minds at ease. If you relax and will enable me. To do anything I please. I can read your future. I can change it around some too. I look deep into your heart and soul. You do have a soul, don't you, Lawrence? Make your wildest dreams come true. I got voodoo, I got voodoo, I got things I ain't even tried. And I got friends on the other side. He's got friends on the other side. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we geek explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about Mysterio. Now, Mysterio is a long-running Spider-Man villain, and for those who don't know, Spidey has kind of had a really big month. He was one of the starring characters in Avengers Infinity War at the beginning of the month. Uh, this week marks the 800th issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, written by Dan Slott, where I think they're going to be wrapping up the Red Goblin storyline, which involves Norman Osborn getting the Carnage symbiote. Crazy, crazy time. And also, for those of you who haven't heard yet, uh, there's been a little bit of casting news for Spider-Man Homecoming 2, the uh, sequel to the awesome Spider-Man Homecoming film where Tom Holland got his solo film as Spidey. Now, I had a lot of fun with that film, and I'm really excited about this casting news. And basically, Mysterio has been cast. Um, they're saying that Mysterio is going to be the main villain for this sequel, which still doesn't have a title yet, and that he will be played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Now, I, for a long time, have been really wanting Gyllenhaal to jump back into the... Uh, ring for a superhero film uh he's been fan casted by many people including myself for different roles most recently he was rumored to be in the uh shortlist for who would play the next batman if ben affleck does indeed step away and for trivia fans jake Hall was actually up for being Spider-Man during the filming of Spider-Man 2 because during the film Tobey Maguire got injured and they didn't know if he would be able to continue filming so a lot of people were looking for a replacement in case that happened and Jake Gyllenhaal kind of topped that list. So it's kind of funny how we're looking at around like almost 15 years later that he is now going to be the central villain in a Spider-Man film. So uh, I figured we could go ahead and jump into everything you need to know about Mysterio before you go see him in the next Spider-Man film. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our awesome Facebook poll that we put up last week. Uh, it was a it was a toss-up between uh, Batwoman and Mysterio, and while Batwoman won the poll pretty handily on Twitter, Mysterio won in a 2-to-1 ratio on Facebook. So uh, today's episode is all thanks to you guys who voted and made your voice heard in the poll. So thank you very much for participating in the poll. Look forward to more in the future, but for now, we'll go ahead and get started as we Geeksplain Mysterio. Okay, so full disclosure, before I did my uh, research for this character, I did not realize that his 
history was going to be so ridiculous. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but this character has been around since 1964, so I knew that he would have a pretty long storied history, but I didn't realize that it was going to take as many twists and turns as it does. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the publication history first, and Mysterio, aka Quentin Beck, was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. He first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 13 in June 1964. However, later on it was retconned that his first appearance was technically in The Amazing Spider-Man number 2. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but his cameo appearance was essentially disguised as an alien hired by the Tinkerer. Now again, we'll get to that in the extended history. And before we do get to that, I do want to bring up the other Mysterios that have made appearances in the comics, uh, because they do pop up here and there throughout his history. And the first Mysterio that followed Quentin Beck was Daniel Burkhart, who made his first appearance in The Amazing Spider-Man, number 141, in 1975. The uh, Mysterio number three was Francis Klum, who appeared for the first time in Spider-Man Black Cat, The Evil That Men Do, number one, in 2002. And the final Mysterio was known only as Mysterion and made his first appearance in Avenging Spider-Man number 22 in 2013. Now, as for abilities and equipment, he isn't uh, a metahuman or anything like that, so he doesn't have any kind of powers, but he sure does have a lot of equipment. So I'll get into his special skills first. He is an expert designer of special effects and stage illusions. He is a master hypnotist and magician. He is an amateur chemist and roboticist, and he's also a hand-to-hand -hand expert uh, due to his background as a stuntman. And due to this, as well as his other skills, he is adept at misdirection, sleight of hand, any of, the, any of those kind of street magic-esque skills. Now, as for his equipment, his most distinguishing feature is his bubble dome helmet. Uh, a lot of people refer to it as the fishbowl, and it is made of one-way plexiglass and includes its own air supply. So he's able to go underwater, go into uh, different um, stunning gases, and be able to uh, survive due to the air supply that's contained within the helmet. Uh, the helmet also has a limited sonar, as well as holographic projector, which is able to project some of the images and illusions that he is kind of known for. Now, jumping from his head to his feet, his boots have magnetic coil springs, which I didn't know about and is a little ridiculous because they allow him to leap and cling to surfaces. So he could technically do what spider-man does by clinging to walls and climbing up them though he would just i guess be walking up them and the boots also have nozzles that emit smoke that would hide his lower half in case he's putting on a show which he does a lot his gloves also contain these nozzles which continue the illusion but they also contain uh chemical mixtures that allow him to create different kinds of uh, smoke, whether it be stun smoke, uh, just a smoke to cover his getaways. And these chemicals include an anti-spidey sense gas, a paralysis gas to make you freeze up, uh, hypno hypnogens, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, so I apologize for that, uh, and hallucinogens, which basically are able to both hypnotize and force the victim to hallucinate whatever Mysterio wants them to. Uh, he also contained in his suit are lasers, uh, various forms of knockout gas, and he also has electric coils in his cape, which allow him to send out an electric shock anytime someone grabs onto the cape itself. And he is also known to be an expert strategist. He plans 
well in advance of any crimes that he commits so that he can meticulously plan for every eventuality that does happen. Now, of course, because Spider-Man is an unpredictable hero, uh, this has varying degrees of success. And now, with his publishing history and his ability-slash-equipment out of the way, we'll jump right into the history of Quentin Beck. Now, Quentin Beck was born in Riverside, California, and had dreams of stardom. So, once he was able to, he began a career as a stuntman and was renowned around his small community for the amount of stunts that he was able to perform. Uh, while being a stuntman in various uh, low-budget films, he became interested in effects, different uh, visual effects, makeup, pretty much anything in that realm. And once he got started, he found that he was actually really good at it, and soon he became renowned for his effects design. However, Quentin Beck wanted more. He wanted more recognition, he wanted more fame, and he wanted to become an actor to get in front of the camera instead of being credited down in the uh, off-camera roles. So he set out to become an actor. Unfortunately, he lacked both looks and talent to be an actor if you see any of the pictures depicting him he has this ridiculous famously uh, awful bowl cut and he's not exactly the most uh handsome guy <laughs> around but he also found that he also didn't have the patience to become a director so that too was a career path that he wasn't able to follow now while lamenting his ceiling in life and kind of basically feeling sorry for himself that he wasn't going to get anywhere above where he found himself a friend joked that the only way to get famous nowadays was to fight and defeat a costumed hero and this gave beck an idea now it's kind of i think it's silly that this is how he decided to become a criminal but at the same time you've got uh, thousands if not millions of people who want to be famous who want to uh, achieve fame by any means necessary even if it means cutting corners especially out in, here in california that it kind of makes sense to me that this is where he kind of found himself so he utilized his expertise and illusions his basically his mastery of his craft and prepared resources for months we're talking like six to ten months minimum on how he would be able to defeat any of the costume heroes who were making a big name for themselves at the time. And once he was finished uh, preparing, he needed to pick a hero that he could defeat. Now, at this point, after doing all of his research, he chose Spider-Man. Because at the time, Spider-Man was a relatively new hero. He was weak and inexperienced because he hadn't been on the game for very long at all. So he thought to himself, this is somebody that I can take down and gain fame with the least amount of work possible. So his first job in his storied criminal career was being hired by the Tinkerer. Now, for those who don't know, the Tinkerer is someone who tinkers. He is known to be kind of the uh, the tech guy for a lot of the uh, Marvel Universe, mostly uh, stationed in New York. He is known to be both a Spider-Man villain as well as an Iron Man villain at times. And he's kind of, he's the tech guy that all the bad guys go to when they need some uh, some new tech to combat the heroes he's the guy who they'll bring a concept to him he'll whip it up for them get paid move on to the next job and at this point the tinkerer wasn't really well known so getting a job from the tinkerer was a pretty big deal at the time and beck was hired by the tinkerer because of his use of effects and makeup and illusions 
and he was hired to disguise both himself and some other uh, mercenaries as extraterrestrials, green little men at the time, and their goal was to steal military secrets by placing spy devices in radios that would be brought to uh, the Tinkerer, because at the time the Tinkerer was kind of operating out of this... Uh, old-timey uh watch and radio repair shop remember this is the <laughs> this is the uh mid-60s so this was still kind of a thing and uh different military figures in the town their radios would break they'd bring them to the tinkerer because he had a great reputation among the town for being able to fix anything that was brought to him and during that they would use uh these little spy radios to garner uh, military secrets and basically sell them to the highest bidder on the black market. Now, eventually, Peter Parker, who stumbles onto this, it wasn't even something that uh, Spider-Man was already involved in. Peter happened to stumble onto it while he was trying to get a radio fixed. He stumbles onto what he perceives at the time as aliens who attack him. And because of Peter speeders <laughs> because of uh spider-man's uh enhanced strength and reflexes he's able to defeat them and they're sent off running now initially when this happened this was in uh, amazing spider-man issue number two they were presented as as like genuine aliens and it was kind of left ambiguous as to whether uh the tinkerer was in league with them and whether he was uh human or alien though later on they would much much later on like decades later they would kind of recon this as quentin beck being just a hired guy who created the illusion that it was aliens now realizing that spider-man is kind of an intimidating figure and realizing that he didn't quite do as much research on the webhead as he should have beck decides that he's going to need to approach this differently he's going to need to really think about not just how he defeats spider-man but really what goes into defeating him in the first place so he decides to create this identity of mysterio and frames spider-man for a spree of robberies using both his work as a stuntman as well as his varied resources from working on multiple hollywood sets and along with using his his boots with coils and springs in them to uh basically um recreate some of spider-man's abilities and it basically frames spider-man for a spree of different robberies at different museums which of course at the time the daily bugle and j jonah jameson leaps onto anything to frame spidey for anything that can be uh basically attributed to him and after this speaking of the bugle mysterio appears at the bugle in front of jonah and debuts himself as a quote-unquote crime fighter and vows to bring spider-man to justice now in their initial confrontation they fight on uh on a bridge and he uses gas to basically obstruct uh peter's spidey sense and uses chemical abrasive to dissolve uh peter's webbing and the presentation of this is that he's using incantations and using magic to defeat spider-man and he defeats him pretty handily sending spider-man to kind of recoup and figure out how he can defeat this new villain now he returns to the bugle for a photo op and peter parker who is the lead photographer at the bugle at the time tags him with a tracer where peter can later on follow mysterio back to his lair and at mysterio's base of operations uh, spider-man confronts him and mysterio of course because he's a villain in the mid-60s uh reveals himself as the true culprit of the crimes and basically explains to spider-man how he framed him for all of these robberies and of course spider-man records him 
because villains at that point were one-dimensional and didn't think about recording devices and basically records Mysterio's confession and reveals that hey I just got you so they have their second battle their second climactic battle where Spider-Man sees through Mysterio's tricks and is able to defeat him and using this recording he is able to put Mysterio away for a while but of course because he's a comic book villain no villain stays in prison for long so while in prison he decides that he can't take Spider-Man on alone. He's tried to twice, and he has been defeated twice. And he decides that there is strength in numbers. So he realizes that getting a group together around him will be the best way to win. And with the help of other villains, he decides to form the Sinister Six. Now, the Sinister Six... The Sinister Six. Wow, that's hard for me to say today. <laughs> he basically decides to form this group along with Dr. Octopus, the Vulture, Craven the Hunter, Sandman, and Electro, who all have a bone to pick with Spider-Man separately. So their plan is essentially the Gauntlet. Now, don't get this confused with a later Spider-Man storyline called the Gauntlet. This was as basic a gauntlet as you can go basically they all attack him one after the other in the hopes that one of them will be able to wear him down and defeat him and during mysterio's uh leg of the gauntlet he uses robots of the x-men to try and defeat spider-man and this is kind of a wacky uh issue where spider-man thinks he's fighting the x-men at first but of course he realizes that they are being controlled and the only way that uh, anyone could control these teenagers with attitude would be to create robot duplicates of them. So Spider-Man's able to defeat them and later on is able to defeat the rest of the Sinister Six. And again, sends them off back to prison. Now, while in prison, Mysterio decides that fighting Spider-Man head-on is not the way to go. Uh, he's been defeated at every turn, um, multiple times he's actually broken out of prison just to be sent back to prison by Spider-Man after being defeated. So he decides he is going to do what he does best and fight Spider-Man on a more cerebral level. So he creates this identity of Dr. Ludwig Reinhardt, who is a quote-unquote psychiatrist and uses both his tech as well as various hypnosis techniques to convince spider-man that he is a menace and that he is hurting the people that he loves by uh, keeping the secret and fighting crime and that he needs to uh, hang it up and unmask uh, of course during this point he is defeated again but this time because J. Jonah Jameson shows up, sees through the ruse, and convinces Spider-Man to uh, pick himself back up and to fight crime. So he is again defeated, but uses the Dr. Ludwig Reinhardt identity later on to both manipulate Aunt May in a money scheme, as well as working with a Fantastic Four villain known as the Wizard to try and uh, kill Spider-Man and Human Torch after he tricks them into thinking that they were cast in a movie. And it's a really ridiculous story where uh, Spider-Man and Human Torch think that they've been casted in this film and the climactic battle ensues on a set in Hollywood. But eventually... He is discovered and defeated again and again and decides that he needs to he needs to go at this differently. Uh, on different occasions, he reforms the Sinister Six, both with the original members as well as with new members, and every single time he is defeated. And at one point, he's even defeated by the Power Pack. Which, if you don't know, the Power Pack is basically a group of a uh, superpowered group of kids. I believe there's uh, three or four of them. They each have their little quirk and their little power. And this is kind of the low point for Mysterio as a character, where he is defeated by a group of kids. And these kids are uh, heroes in their own right. Don't get me wrong, but 
Uh, it's a far cry from being the one who almost defeated Spider-Man in his opening, uh, his opening appearance, his debut appearance. Now, during one of the many times that he's imprisoned, uh, his former cellmate, Daniel Burkhart, uh, see, we talked about him earlier, uh, takes over as Mysterio for a short time and doesn't do a whole lot to uh, up his street cred. Now, with every loss and every imprisonment and every defeat by the Power Pack, uh, his stock as a supervillain just goes lower and lower and lower. Started off as a B-list villain and very quickly becomes probably on the D-list due to all these defeats and his inability to beat Spider-Man even on his worst day. Now, while dealing with all of these losses while dealing with all of these uh humiliating defeats he also has to deal with something that's uh very real world and very human where while on one of his many imprisonments he is diagnosed with a brain tumor as well as lung cancer so a one-two punch with that and it's revealed that both of these ailments were caused by uh, chemicals and radiation from equipment that he's been using for years. So it's one of those things where like, he's truly caused his own downfall and he's caused his life to be shortened because of his obsession with both fame and defeating Spider-Man. Which brings us to one of Mysterio's uh, most famous storylines called Guardian Devil. And Guardian Devil is a doozy of the story. Uh, it's very dark. It has a lot of kind of adult subject matter, uh, which we will get into here. But it's, it's a lot. And it's kind of, it's very heavy. And it really did a good job to up Mysterio's stock as a villain. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. So after being diagnosed with the brain tumor and the lung cancer, uh, Beck is given one year to live. And because of this, is released early, uh, basically to live his life because they know that it's short and that it's, you know, numbered. So on upon his release, this um, this revelation that he's sick doesn't deter him. He, his original goal of becoming famous has now evolved into an unhealthy obsession with getting his revenge on Spider-Man. And after doing his research, he realizes at this point in uh, Marvel Comics history that the current Spider-Man is a clone. This is while uh, Ben Riley is the uh, Spider-Man at the time, and. On a total side note, I am a huge Ben Riley fan. So if you're interested in a Ben Riley episode, please let me know. But going back to the story, uh, he decides that there's no sense in defeating a clone because he has been obsessing over defeating the real deal. And to uh, defeat a clone would be beneath him, so to speak. So he shifts gears and decides to try and end a different hero's career. And he chooses, of all the heroes that he could choose from, Daredevil. Now the reason he chooses Daredevil is because he believes that he is a kindred spirit. That the two of them are different sides of the same coin in the fact that they're both considered second string at that point, uh, this is long before Daredevil's rise to prominence, especially uh, after his Netflix show, but this is kind of when Daredevil was kind of on the B-list, and uh, Mysterio, also deciding that he was on the B-list, found that Daredevil was kind of on his level, and that um, they didn't really have a large reputation outside of their respective neighborhoods. So he thought that Daredevil was a Spider-Man-sized problem that he could defeat, and he wanted his final act on this Earth to be ending Daredevil's career. So he works with the Kingpin, Kingpin uh, Wilson Fisk, who is another amazing Marvel villain. And Kingpin gives Mysterio Daredevil's secret identity as uh, lo blind lawyer Matt Murdock. 
And due to this, he is able to use a special drug that he has concocted to slowly drive uh, Matt insane. He is able to use this drug to uh, work against his emotions and basically makes Matt bipolar and an emotional wreck. Now, also, during this time, the story introduced a baby. Now, it's just an ordinary baby, but due to the drugs and the hypnosis that Mysterio has inflicted on Daredevil, Daredevil believes that this baby is the Antichrist. Long story. It's kind of ridiculous. But um, using this drug, Mysterio was able to make Daredevil believe that this baby is literally the Antichrist. And anyone who doesn't believe him, the drug kicks in and is makes him angry and violent and makes him lash out at anyone who doesn't believe the way that he does. Now also during this time, he frames Foggy for murder right after uh, he kind of outs Foggy for cheating on uh, his girlfriend at the time and also convinces Karen she has HIV from her uh, porn star past. Um, something that I don't think they're going to touch on in the Daredevil Netflix series, uh, but it's it's kind of it's awful to think that both of these characters, which have such a following now, are given these really these really poor cards that they're dealt because of Mysterio's obsession with destroying Daredevil. And also during this time, Mysterio, to kind of put the cherry on top, uh, hires Bullseye to locate Daredevil and the baby, who Daredevil is kind of uh, keeping hostage. Daredevil believing that this baby is the antichrist he doesn't know what to do he's conflicted because at the end of the day he is a hero but he truly believes in his heart that this baby is going to bring about an apocalypse so during this point bullseye shows up tries to kill him and karen who has reunited with matt at this point is killed in the process now this was a huge moment for daredevil's career uh, Karen Page had been one of the longest-running characters in uh, Daredevil's storied history, and to see her get offed was a really just, it was a shocking turn of events, not just for the plot, but for comics, uh, for Daredevil comics as a whole. And following this, Daredevil is able to defeat Bullseye, and is able to finally see past everything that's been going on and gets some help. Now, he first goes to Doctor Strange, who is able to remove the drug from his bloodstream. And once he's able to see and think clearly, he adds everything up, and he realizes that Mysterio is the mastermind behind all the events that have transpired. And Daredevil is able to track him down and unmask him, and... Mysterio kind of reveals that this was his quote-unquote grand finale. This was going to be his uh, his life achievement, his life's work. And he kind of intended for the ending to be that Daredevil kills him. He was hoping that after driving Daredevil essentially insane, uh, doing horrific things to every single one of his supporting cast, that Daredevil would fly into such a rage that he would end Mysterio's life because Mysterio didn't want to uh, finish out his days in pain. And because of everything that's transpired, uh, the personal growth that Daredevil has gone through, he refuses. He calls Mysterio, not even B-list, he calls him D-list, and says that there isn't an original bone in his body, and almost says it would be a waste of his time to kill Mysterio. And due to this, uh, Mysterio decides to instead uh, take, quote-unquote, a page from his friend Craven's book, and he pulls out a gun, and he shoots himself. He kills himself right in front of Daredevil. Uh, which was shocking, to say the least, that this whole uh, story kind of culminated in uh, Mysterio killing himself. So 
you would think that that would be the end of Mysterio's story, but oh no, dear listeners, that is not it at all. In fact, his next appearance was just a few years later, where he somehow arrived during a three-way battle between Spider-Man, Mysterio 2, uh, Burkhart, and the debuting new Mysterio, Francis Clume. And after setting Burkhardt and Clume against each other, he had a secret meeting with a character known as Miss Arrow, where he confirmed that he was still dead when he pulled off his helmet and you could see that half of his head was blown off from where he used the gun. Uh, during this conversation, uh, he mentioned these mysterious superiors in Hell uh, that are never followed up on again, so we are going to go ahead and look past that. Now, the next time that he shows up, he resurfaces during the Gauntlet storyline, seemingly alive again. Now, we talked about this earlier, this official Gauntlet storyline. Um, basically, completely different from the original Gauntlet uh, that the Sinister Six ran, though it did feature those characters. And during the storyline, he uses robots in a giant gang war against a villain known as Mr. Negative. And during this story also tries to drive Spider-Man insane using his hallucinogens and Spider-Man's surprise at him still being alive. But Spider-Man is able to overcome this and is able to defeat him again. However... During the ensuing chaos, uh, Mysterio is Mysterio runs into the Chameleon, who is another long-standing uh, Spider-Man villain, who tells Mysterio that he has some friends who are dying to meet him, and these friends are revealed to be the Cravenoffs, and he was present during a ritual by the Cravenoffs where Spider-Man is. Uh, seemingly sacrificed to resurrect Craven the Hunter. Later on, it's revealed that this Spider-Man was in fact Kane, the uh, the clone of Spider-Man at that point, going by uh, the name Scarlet Spider. And later on, he joins the Sinister Six again to help uh, Doctor Octopus save the world during the Ends of the Earth storyline. Now, this was a big kind of, uh, I guess, blockbuster ending story for spider-man where all of his um, most dangerous villains kind of came together to present a more worldwide threat now during this storyline mysterio really uh his we talked about his stock earlier as a villain going down for most of his life but this is the point where he really kind of shoots back up because during the storyline he battles the avengers and uh, that's a huge deal for really any villain, but uh, to be battling them alongside his original Sinister Six uh, brothers is a huge deal for him and his standing within the Marvel Universe. Now, during this storyline near the end, he is convinced by Spider-Man to join him, basically saying that after Doc Ock uh, accomplishes his goal, there's no way that he will be willing to honor his end of the deal when it comes to what he promised Mysterio at the end of uh, at the end of his scheme. So Mysterio basically leads the heroes to Doc Ock's secret base and in the ensuing chaos escapes. Now this leads us into probably one of my Uh, favorite aspects of Mysterio's history, and it happens to involve the Ultimate Universe. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Ultimate Universe is a parallel universe to uh, the Marvel 616 universe, which is kind of like the mainstream uh, universe. The Ultimate Universe, which is designated Marvel, I believe it's 1616, uh, is was essentially created to be a modern retelling of the Marvel Universe. The characters are all the same characters that you know, but just given updated backstories and pathos to bring them into the next generation. Uh, A lot of the movies actually lift many of the ideas from the Ultimate Universe, such as Samuel L. Jackson being uh, Nick Fury, um, 
and a t- ton of other things. Now, this next story involves Mysterio discovering the existence of the Ultimate Universe. Now, the Ultimate Universe has doppelgangers of pretty much everyone in the mainstream Marvel Universe, and this includes Mysterio. Though what this story does is it it uh, <laughs> it reveals that the Mysterio in the Ultimate Universe is actually a robot. Uh, <laughs> which is ridiculous and also really cool because you find out that Mysterio discovered the Ultimate Universe a while ago and sent this duplicate of himself into that world to get information and to cause havoc and to fight the Spider-Man of that world. And during the storyline Spider-Men by Brian Michael Bendis, this storyline is kind of followed up on where Peter Parker and Miles Morales of the main Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe respectively kind of meet each other for the first time. And during this story, he tricks the Peter Parker of the mainstream Marvel Universe into the Ultimate Universe. And this is where Peter finds out everything that's happened in this universe and finds out about Miles and all this stuff and tries to trap him there. But he is defeated by both of the Spider-Men, Spider-Men, and the... Uh, with an assist from the Ultimates, who are the Avengers of this universe. And the conclusion of this story involves the Ultimates basically taking ownership of Mysterio and imprisoning him in the Ultimate Universe due to Mysterio finding out about Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker. And later on, it's actually followed up on when the main Marvel Universe Galactus is somehow moved into the ultimate universe and the ultimates decide to use mysterio as a resource and is able to and using him they're able to defeat galactus and turn him away from their world now this kind of brings us up to the modern day of marvel comics and this includes uh secret wars which was this reality-altering event that took all of the millions of worlds in the Marvel multiverse and smashed them all together into one. So now that we're on this new Earth, Mysterio is back again on the mainstream Marvel Universe. And in the opening story for Spider-Man, he attacks Parker Industries, However, he is defeated by being run over by Deadpool in a car, starting off the Spider-Man Deadpool uh, comic series. And while in the hospital recuperating, he's visited by an unknown figure who tells Mysterio that he is not out of the game yet. Now, the next time we see him is also in this Spider-Man Deadpool comic series, where he torments spider-man in limbo after spider-man is quote-unquote killed by deadpool and while in limbo he subjects peter to just the worst kinds of torture until deadpool is able to jump into limbo and save uh, peter's soul and following this confrontation we go back into the hospital room where mysterio was and we find that he has disappeared but it's not really followed up on because the next time we see him is in vegas and it's revealed that he has retired he has officially given up the criminal lifestyle and he has retired to vegas to live out the rest of his days uh his daughter suddenly appears on his doorstep wanting him to return as Mysterio and promising that she has a scheme that will make them both a lot of money. And during this time, the current Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, who has revived, again, would love to do a Ben Riley episode, um, <laughs> shows up and questions him because he's been tracking Mysterio's daughter and is wanting a straight answer on whether 
Quentin is going to be jumping back into the criminal lifestyle, but Beck confirms to him that, look, I'm retired. This is it for me. I'm not interested in any more shenanigans. I just want to live out the rest of my life in peace. And that is where we are today with Quentin Beck. Again, a long, long storied history. This character has been around for over 50 years, and it's interesting seeing that he started off becoming a criminal just because he wanted fame, and now we see him at the end of his story retiring and wanting to live a quiet life. So I think that's really cool. But this brings us to the huge news that was announced uh, recently that actor Jake Gyllenhaal will be portraying Mysterio in the next Spider-Man solo film. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people had him pegged to be the next Batman. Director Matt Reeves was quoted as saying that his top two picks were for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal or John Hamm, which personally I am a fan of both of those choices, but John Hamm has been my pick for Batman for years and years and years. So maybe this means that he'll be the next Batman, who knows? But I think it's interesting that he jumped from being top of the list for Batman in DC into being a Marvel villain. And I think that it's an interesting choice and a confusing choice because being a Marvel villain, Marvel doesn't have the greatest track record for villains. Uh, Of course, they've been knocking it out of the park recently with uh, Killmonger and Thanos. And even going a little bit bit further back where Spider-Man Homecoming debuted uh, Michael Keaton as the Vulture. And he, I thought, did an amazing job. And I'm looking forward to seeing him come back since they, again kind of bucked the Marvel trend of killing the villain at the end of every movie. And we know that at the end of Homecoming, the Vulture's alive and he knows Peter's secret identity. So it's going to be interesting seeing that juxtaposed with debuting a new villain as well in that role. But I think there's got to be a reason that an accomplished actor like Hall at this point decided to pick this role. And I'm excited to see where that goes with him. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully him getting a Keaton-esque kind of treatment where they take kind of a one-note character like they did with the Vulture and expand on him and make him someone that I think is memorable. And I would say, I mean, I personally think that Keaton, Keaton's Vulture is within the top five Marvel villains of all time. A lot of people put him at number two or number one, which I totally respect, but I disagree with personally. But he was amazing, and I'm hoping that with all the great choices that they've made with Homecoming, that going into this second film, they'll be able to keep that momentum going. Uh, I'm wondering if this is kind of building up towards Sinister Six, perhaps, because we do know that Mysterio and Vulture were members of the original Six. So if we start to kind of do a little bit of conspiracy theories here, uh, we do know that uh, Matt Gargan, the Scorpion, did make an appearance in Homecoming pre-Scorpion, so he might get a nod. We might get a nod for a fourth member in this movie, if not a fifth member as well. And if they ended up debuting uh, Doc Ock in whatever Spider-Man 3 might be, that would give us a full six roster. So I think that it's interesting. I don't know if they're going to go that direction because I know Sony was looking at that for Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man franchise, and that was one of the reasons that it kind of fell apart because Amazing Spider-Man 2 was essentially just a Sinister Six trailer and didn't really build upon the actual characters in the story. So I'm interested to see how they balance that and make it essentially like a... uh, an Avengers villain treatment where they debut all these characters separately and then bring them together to fight Spider-Man. But my biggest question, I think, for this portrayal of Mysterio in Spider-Man 2 is are they going to go with an original story like Homecoming was or are they going to go with an adaptation? Uh, I think the intro story where they talk about... um, 
Spider-Man being framed for all these things and Mysterio coming in to hunt him down is an interesting story, but I don't know with Spider-Man being kind of uh, associated with the Avengers at this point if that would work. I mean, we really even haven't gotten a J. Jonah Jameson debut to talk about whether Spider-Man is a menace or not, and I think they need to they need to cast him quick. Uh, they need to make sure that that is one thread that isn't left uh, untied. So I think that would be an interesting story, but I think with how successful Homecoming was and how great of a uh, story that it was as kind of a coming-of-age teenage Spider-Man tale, I think they'd be really good, or it would make more sense for them to go with a brand new original story i could see them debuting mysterio and spider-man uh being caught by an illusion thinking that he kills mysterio and the entire film is a personal story kind of like spider-man 2 with toby Maguire was uh there's just a lot of lot of different routes that they can take with this and for me i'm just excited for a good story and i know that having a having an actor on the caliber as Hall, who has had a lot of misfires uh, over his career but I think has really brought his career up with films like uh, like Nightcrawler and Southpaw where he's really kind of reinvented himself as an actor I think it's going to be really good I'm excited and I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, portray this character and that is our show on Mysterio. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Doing the research on this character was a bit of a doozy. I didn't realize that he had such a storied, like, ridiculous history, especially the uh, times that he was, I guess, dead, but not really dead. But anyway, uh, let me know your thoughts on the episode. Let me know your thoughts on Mysterio. Uh, what are you looking forward to for the next Spider-Man film? Personally, for me, I'm looking for a great story. I'm kind of hoping they introduce either uh, Mary Jane Watson or Gwen Stacy. I know Zendaya's character is technically MJ, but we don't really have a for sure confirmation that that's her. So uh, let me know all your thoughts. Let me know what you thought of the episode and of Mysterio as a character. And let me know if there are any other characters that you would like me to do. Uh, Tweet at me at at uh, Geeksplained Pod. That's at Geeksplained P O D on Twitter. Uh, send me your questions. Send me uh, ideas for future episodes, characters that you'd like me to see and talk about. Uh, recently, we've been kind of dabbling with the idea of doing video games. So right now, I am working my way through Kingdom Hearts, and I just finished up the newest God of War game. If you would like an episode on God of War, let me know. I would love to do that series, and uh, Kratos as a character has always really interested me. So again, Geeksplained Pod on Twitter. Send me anything you'd like to discuss. Would love to have some discussions with you guys. And that will go ahead and wrap us up here for this week. So for Geeksplained, this is Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.